Hello, and welcome to Geek Cinema Podcast, a podcast where my friends and I have a conversation over geeky, nerdy, and fanboy or fangirl movies alike. We're not experts or an educational podcast, we're just a group of friends who like talking about sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and superhero movies. And it's been a while since we did a fantasy film, but here we are, doing the sequel to Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. My name's Everett, uh, and I sat down with uh, my friends Kyle and Trent to talk about this movie, and Kyle took the conversation for a ride. <laughs> um, it was fun. Uh, there are major spoilers for the movie, as well as I'm just going to go ahead and say for all the entire franchise, uh, both Fantastic Beasts and Harry Potter, as well as Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, any minor spoilers I could not catch when editing this, so uh, hopefully there aren't any. If there are, please uh, message me and um, berate me for missing that. I'm sorry. Um, if you like this episode, go over to iTunes and leave us a review and subscribe. And you can check out our link to Patreon and social media in the show notes down below. So, if, if, if uh, I have nothing else to say, and I believe I don't, um, let's go listen to the conversation over Fantastic Beasts. The Crimes of Grindelwald with myself, Kyle, and Trent. Enjoy the conversation. How was your Thanksgiving, Kyle? Uh, it, was, it was interesting. Um, so Brooke and the kids are out of town right now. They're in Oklahoma, like probably 20 minutes from you guys. Um, but I had to work, and so but since Brooke's off the whole weekend, then she just left. So I'm just in Springfield by myself. Wow. So what a depressing I, uh, holiday. It, it kind of was. It's kind of nice. Like, I'm looking forward to having a weekend, you know, just all with myself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but it was weird being here on a holiday, like, where everyone's celebrating family. And I mm. just went and ate it. I went and ate at Golden Corral by myself. <laughs> That's pure which depression. Is, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's depressing eating by yourself. But mm-hmm. when you see the kind of people who eat at Golden Corral <laughs> on Thanksgiving, you kind of feel better about yourself at the same <laughs> time. You're yeah. like, oh, yikes. I can only imagine. So, yeah, it's mostly old people and rednecks, surprisingly. Mm. So, You going to see any anyway. movies over the weekend? Um, Let's see. Start recording, just to be safe, so I don't forget. Um, Let's see. Hold on. Let me look. What have I seen recently besides this one? Ralph Breaks um, the Internet? Is that on your, your plan? Do what? Ralph Breaks the Internet? Is that... Kind of on your I thought about seeing that this weekend. Yeah, I thought, yeah, since I'm by myself this weekend, I'll take advantage and see some stuff. But, uh, let's see. Yeah, the only ones out right now, like, that just came out that I'm interested in, Ralph Bricks the Internet, Creed 2, and The Favorite comes out on Friday. Mm. And Widows is getting good. Yeah, movies. Widows is one I wanted to see. I haven't even heard of The Favorite. What's that? It's the period piece with Emma Stone. It looks and... really weird. Yeah, it oh. looks really weird and indie and like, um, yeah, looks looks really cool and interesting. Yeah, I'm interested to see Suspiria. I've never seen the first one, but Matt put it mm-hmm. gave it five stars on Letterboxd. So the new one? Yeah. Here's my thing. I really liked Suspiria. I I thought it was a like I'd call it a classic. Um, but the thing about Suspiria is. It's more known for its style and cinematography than its actual story. Sure. And so I just don't know how you remake that. Yeah. And uh, in that case, I might not love it. Cause... And two, Yeah. Matt likes a lot of horror remakes. 
Yeah. He and liked he not preferred something five stars could mean it's the worst movie ever. So I don't he pre- know. Yeah, he preferred the <laughs> uh he prefers the remake of Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Uh he said he enjoyed the Halloween remake and the I think he liked the nightmare pretty much all the eighties icons. I think he enjoyed pretty much all of them. That could be speaking out That's of really term. Surprising. But you know I don't care what gets Matt. Yeah. I would think he would be even more sold out to those and hate the remakes because he right? has seen them for a long time where for, right? for me at least. And I think you like, we're kind of just seeing a lot of those like within the last couple of years. Yeah. So, and yet we like the originals better. Plus he doesn't like Jurassic Park. So his opinion does thinks? not matter. <laughs> yep, exactly. And he's not here to defend himself. So <laughs> suck it. Back you, Matt. What about, what about you guys? What are you seeing? Uh, lately? Well, you know, we haven't done a podcast since October. Yeah, the whole uh, we month were, of November is we, we were planning on taking a break at the beginning, but then it just went further and further because we couldn't get uh, anyone together to do a podcast. Mm. But just uh, some of the highlights for me, I went to see Batman Mask of the Phantasm in the theater, uh, mm. thanks to Fathom, and I hadn't seen it since I was probably 10 or 12. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of that stuff stuck with me from that long ago because it was pretty memorable. Um, but even just as good today, uh, the only thing is like some of the action is very slow and stilted compared to animation of today, Mm -hmm. but that's, I mean, it was people who were new only television animation. And so they were coming into the, the big screen world, the silver screen. And that first season of Batman, the animated series, is it is very slow. Like not a lot yeah. happens. It's very much him standing in the shadows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I've I know I've seen that, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, so the only ones new releases that I haven't talked about uh, since our the last stuff uh, in October saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Hmm. What do you uh, think? Just... I liked it. It was fun. Uh, I think my review was like something like it was, I was trying to be clever. So I was like, um, you may have yourself a real good time, but, uh, something, something, I don't know. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I was real clever in the moment. Uh, essentially I, I, I judged the movie also because it like takes the great story of Freddie and queen and puts, crams it into a cookie cutter shape of your traditional, uh, rom-com movie. Yeah, not not the most uh, not the most succinct yeah. movie or Freddy you know specific Queen. point, but uh, but yeah, definitely a, a fun time, especially if you like Queen, and even if you don't, I think you know, I mean, who doesn't like Queen? Yeah, you know, at least a little. So I think, and if you're I, like I, me, I, think I had the same thoughts. You might find some weird nitpicks nitpicks about the timeline. Sure. That's kind of yeah, wild. Definitely. Yeah, but it makes for a good movie, I think. I thought. Yeah, it Even was fun. Uh, I saw next, though. You guys remember Hereditary came out early this year? And everybody mm-hmm, went mm-hmm. all ablaze oh, about it. And yeah. right before that, you remember people were talking about A Quiet Place before that. And mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, no, no, no more A Quiet Place. It's about Hereditary. And then more recently, people were all excited about the first uh, Halloween that people have really enjoyed since the original. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this horror year is just great. Well, Forget about all that because Overlord came out, mm. and this is my favorite horror movie in like the last few years. Yeah, I thought it was got. I thought it was great. It was a, it was a blast. Such a yeah. blast. Uh, did you see it in IMAX, Kyle? Um, 
Yeah. No, I did not. It wasn't showing in the IMAX theater at our. I wish I could have gotten on here sooner, so I could have recommended it in IMAX to everyone because I'm sure it's out of IMAX by now because of Fantastic Mm -hmm. Beasts and all these. Because it was so good, specifically in that format. The opening scene, and this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think. The opening scene in IMAX pretty much gave me a panic attack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was so good. And just a great, like, B-horror movie with A-list effects. So fun. Yeah, exactly. I still, I liked A Quiet Place better. But I think if you're saying which one's a better horror movie, I I would say Overlord is just straight up horror. Where, I haven't where seen Quiet Place, Place is more yet. suspense. Oh really? Right. Oh. It's more suspenseful. I, mm, I would like say a it is horror. Lane. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm. But, is it all for say, you? Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, no, the only uh, I I also watched um, uh, Paddington and Paddington Two. Yes. Great one picks. night I was like, hey. Those are good. Yeah, I was on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, you know, the n- number one movie on Rotten Tomatoes of the year is Paddington 2, so I'm like, I guess I want to watch the number one movie on Rotten Tomatoes of the year, so I mm-hmm. guess I'll watch the first one first, so I went on Netflix, watched it, loved it, cracked up mm-hmm. through the entire movie. I was not expecting that. I was expecting it to just be like, you're, you know, you're just under Disney family flick, but mm-hmm. honestly, it was a- as good as most Disney flicks to me. Um, oh, yeah. and honestly funnier than a lot of them. Uh, the mm-hmm. second one, I didn't laugh as much, but I actually enjoyed more as a movie. Oh, really? Like, and it was cool. The director, like threw more of uh, style into it. Mm-hmm. I watched him back to back too a few months ago and I, I kind of liked the first one better, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the second one definitely holds up as probably just as good. Yeah. If I were to segue into the things I've watched, so I'm an animation fan. I think I've established that for people who have heard me on other episodes. But I've been going to the Ghibli Fest screenings at the Cinemark Theater or wherever else every month. Um, so the last showing of the year just happened this past Monday. It was uh, Castle in the Sky from Miyazaki. And that was a really good time. Uh, so I've been enjoying seeing those movies when I can. I've caught most of them. I've missed a few. Um but it's cool just that they, they're they showing those movies in theaters so actively. Uh, beyond that, I just saw Ralph Breaks the Internet last night, and I had a really good time. I I could see people finding faults with it in terms of, like, maybe um, thinking that it doesn't need to exist or that the first movie was perfect and doesn't need to have a sequel. But I think the comedy yeah. that the sequel tries to achieve works really well, and that's pretty much all it needed to do, in my opinion. Like, it does have an interesting message, but beyond that, I mean, it's just a fun cartoon. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'll it. Yeah, I, I recommend people watch it. Kyle, did you watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs yet? No, I haven't. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. It's a Netflix uh, original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the first uh, Cohen Brothers movie in two years, I think. I think the last mm-hmm. one was Health Caesar, which was 2016. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen that either. Oh, it, oh, it was so good, so good. So I'd highly recommend that one. Um, but uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it's uh, just a Western anthology movie, and not all of them are serious. Not all of them are funny. You get a little bit. Wait, so is it? It's like multiple stories, but in one mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like you're going through a storybook, mm-hmm. uh, and. 
yeah, some of them are just like cartoony. Some of them are uh, real serious and dark, and some of them are just like your just your everyday Western story. Mm-hmm. It's a fun time. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Recommended. Mm-hmm. It's time for Geekament. I always get that wrong. What is it? Hey, hey. Hey, hey, it's time for Geekamendations. Nope. It's a Western. I guess Westerns are geeky to some people. Yeah. Like some people. Sure. My granddad was just a Western nerd. <laughs> Anything can be geeky if you spin it in a certain way. Mm, that's a lesson we can all take home today. <laughs> like, like football you, geeks. <laughs> all right. What do yeah. you guys think? You want to jump into the... Jump into Wizarding the, world. The so uh, this is Thanksgiving, and I had to go to I, I had to go to lunch with family today, and also I, I had my I I've been the past two days uh like putting together a list of Blu-rays like where do I go for the best deal and all that, and so my mind was very um separate of <laughs> of Fantastic Beasts, the Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not been a week since I saw it, so I'm a little removed from it. Uh, hmm. when did we see it, Trent? We saw it opening night, right? Uh, basically. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So almost a week. <laughs> um, so two years ago, right? Uh, we did a podcast about this time, I believe. Trent was there. Um, maybe you weren't. Now that I'm thinking about I just, it, I have no recollection. I really, think he was. Okay, he was. I know you were at the theater experience. I remember that. We went to see oh, Fantastic yeah, Beasts yeah. in the theater at 10 o'clock on Friday, and there was not really anybody there. Yeah, <laughs> it was right. surprising. Um, we went this year to the IMAX, me and Trent together, and Decent crowd. for the sequel, and yeah, big crowd. But we mm-hmm. recorded a podcast with uh, Trent, Seth, and Kendall. And that was, uh, I think we we all pretty much agreed that we enjoyed the movie, right? Yes. Yes. I've watched it once since. It was pretty much just as good the second time. I've only seen it once, so it's really hard for me to talk about it. But if I were to remember what the experience was or what I took away from it, I think I thought it did a good job of like setting up a new scenario in that world mm-hmm. and giving you characters that were interesting and likable. But I think I, I'll follow up on that as we get into the sequel. Mm-hmm. Cause I think going into the sequel, having only watched it once when it came out, some of the maybe shortcomings of the story kind of come through when I literally forgot that certain characters existed. <laughs> oh, right. Um, Kyle, th- I think this is a. I- I'm glad you're on this podcast because uh, I have mixed feelings about uh, this franchise now. Um, this franchise being the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Um, mm-hmm. You had mixed feelings after the first movie, though. Correct? Yeah. So, um, so the first one. Let's see. I I wasn't su- I wasn't hot on right away. Um, just because several reasons, it was very different from the Harry Potter movies, just in the look and feel of them. It was in a, in a different country, which is fun. Um, you know, I like, and now I, I like the idea of in this series, like getting to not just be at Hogwarts, you know, for the, you know, for eight movies, but getting to see, uh, different parts of the world and how the wizarding world react, you know, acts in different parts of the world, um, you know, in its underground form. But, uh, but I really, I, I just didn't 
like it very much, um, what they did with it. And it was partly because, um, the, this, so the screenplay was written by JK Rowling. So it's, it's hard to criticize it because like, I do love the Harry Potter movies and the books so much. And so it was hard to criticize it because it's not like, well, that's someone else's thing. They ruined it. It's like she wrote it. But I, I think what the problem is, is that she wrote it like a novel, like a 900 page Mm -hmm. book just in a two-hour movie. It wasn't a book that she wrote and then a screenplay writer adapted it. Uh, she wrote it, and so you get all these, like, mini side stories and side adventures where Newt is catching and catching a creature that escaped, and that makes sense in a book. But mm-hmm. on a movie, it's just like, what What are we doing? Like, the, you get to the end or get to the point of the movie. You know, get give me a act one, act two, act three. And so it just seemed very messy to me, and that's kind of how I feel about this one as well. Um, just that yeah, the story it doesn't isn't, seem isn't... like she changed as a film writer. Uh huh. And so, so that's a big problem with it for me. Um, was just that the story didn't flow well, and I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have a book to go off of. Like I didn't, because re- this is kind of a a hot take, but I really don't think that any of the Harry Potter movies are necessarily great. I think they're all good, but um, but I love them. But it's because of my love for the books that I'm seeing what I'm reading displayed in front of me, and that's why I love it. And you get the music and the whole pomp and circumstance with it. But uh, but but they're not like really what you know greatly made movies just because of that because they're adapted. And so this, I didn't have a book to be like, well, you know, I see where she was going because I read the book. Like with this, I was just like, this is this is odd. And um. And then also, I I just really didn't like a lot of the casting. Um, I really didn't like Eddie Redmayne, mostly because I couldn't understand a single word he said. Um, <laughs> he mumbled the entire time. Like I literally remember first time before I'd even heard people's reactions to him or anything, being like, I don't know a single word he said this entire movie. And like we were in the third act, and I was like, I I couldn't tell you a single word he said. And uh, like I need subtitles for this guy or something. Um, which actually in the second one he got a lot better at. I could understand most of what he said, even though he still was, you know, the same character. But uh but I didn't like Eddie Redmayne. Catherine Waterston, not I'm not a huge fan. I've only seen her in really? this and Alien Covenant. Oh, you was haven't she in seen Covenant f- or Perme- was she in Prometheus? You haven't seen mid nineties yet? No, I haven't seen that. Oh. Um was she in Covenant or Prometheus? Covenant. Okay, yeah, she was in that. I didn't love her in that. She was okay. Um, but yeah, she just, she's so bland in this and, um, I don't understand why, uh, she doesn't, even though it lives in New York in the twenties, doesn't seem to be making an attempt at a New York accent at all. (laughs) Whereas her sister has a (laughs) Boston accent like Harley Quinn. Um, and so that didn't make sense to me. Um, and I did like Jacob a lot. He was probably the, the best part of the movie to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so not not a huge fan of it, but uh, but, but I Colin actually Farrell, did. So I right? watched it in theaters, not very not very high on it. Rewatched it again when it came out on HBO like a year ago, I think. I rewatched it again, still had the same feelings. And then to get ready for this one, I rewatched it, and I actually liked it. It was a little bit better for me. I kind of saw through the flaws, kind of got used to, and I saw like maybe a teaser trailer of the new one. So I kind of saw where they were going with it. I had an, a concept of what they what direction they were going more of the Grindelwald and Albus uh, centric um, elements. And so, so I was like, okay, I can, I can get on board with this, I guess. So, so a little bit more positive this last week. Hmm. Glad I asked. 
<laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> it's quality, quality oh, stuff. No, yeah, me and Trent were talking about it on the way back because we weren't sure we were going to do an episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't remember which one of us mentioned it first, but we both felt... Uh, or it was Trent noticed there was something weird about the way the movie flows, but mm-hmm. he didn't think it was to its detriment. And I said, well, it's a novelist writing a screenplay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't yeah. feel, that's why it doesn't feel like your normal movie flow. Right. And to me, it kind of like it is to its detriment. Uh, like there's a few, I loved the first movie. Uh, both times I watched it, this one feels like an absolute mess to me. Uh, there's, a thousand characters that I'm supposed to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, a lot of it feels just like fan service to me. Yes. I don't Where necessarily. The first one, you it, it kind of helped with like if you missed out on the Harry Potter stuff or that wasn't mm-hmm. exactly your thing or you thought Harry Potter people were nerds or something like that. Then, uh, which you know is true, but if you uh, if you kind of miss that train, then this was kind of a good way to like reintroduce you into the world of giving you very original character and having little things here and there like an Easter egg about Quidditch or uh, you know right. mug- uh, uh, wizarding money or Muggles versus nomads stuff like that where it, it does introduce you well into the world. Mm-hmm. Where if you're not familiar with this, then you can jump in. And, and like, okay, you know, there's a few things I kind of had questions about, but, you know, I can get on board with this. Where this one, I feel like, I don't know how anyone who's not like, a, okay, who's the Grindelwald guy? Like, oh, who's that guy? You know, it, they would be super lost, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's hard to see. It's hard to imagine it from that perspective for me, but but I, I have to imagine that people who, like, if I took my wife to see this, she was barely familiar with harry potter um at least the deep stuff then she would be incredibly lost on this one yeah well not only that it's just like as a harry potter movie fan i'd never read the books but i love the movies i Mm -hmm. i it just all feels so unnecessary to me the connections like i i can't think of an example i really wish i could but there's certain movies like this uh, in world movies where they tie together so obviously as fan service, I think. Like, I, I get, like, Albus Dumbledore is one of the coolest uh, w- magical fant- fan- fantasy characters, I think, of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so um, intriguing and much deeper than your average wizard. Uh, you can't... But I, I think what's so cool is about him is the mystery like what happened in his past that Mm -hmm. makes him so like the difference between the dark and the light that you get to see a little bit of both but uh he really only it's 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 so i don't know i don't want to get too deep into him um (laughs) but so i kind of liked having just those uh eight movies of that Mm -hmm. i really didn't care to ever see him as a young man again so in this movie, I I I just felt like I don't know, and not he just felt like fan service to me. Um, Nagini was way worse. Like, oh, awful! Why the fuck is she in this? <laughs> like, that was so stupid to me. I just don't understand why. Like, it's not even a oh that explains everything. It's just like a, oh that's <laughs> yeah. that's odd. You know, oh, that's kind of interesting. I guess. Right. What? Whatever. Also, it seems that, that, like that doesn't make me reread the Harry Potter movies. Like, oh, that's so crazy. She was a a human the whole time. That makes it's just like, oh, okay. 
Also, isn't that that like makes no it, more thoughts? <laughs> makes some of the like older the Harry Potter. I mean, I, I guess we can spoil Harry Potter, but uh, sure. in part uh, six or seven, I can't remember. She eats Emma Thompson's character. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> so that was a human that ate her? What the fuck? Nagini, get her. <laughs> oh, Dinner. Like that's so, and also, I mean, maybe we're going to see in part three, how does she go from being, no, uh, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Credence? Credence? Credence. No, Credence, you don't want to go with the bad guy. We we should leave. <laughs> to eating Emma Thompson. I love Voldemort. <laughs> I'll help you no matter what. Feed me. Uh, yeah, what happened? I mean, maybe it, yeah. maybe her snake brain is. I, it's 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 easy as we move on. I just want to say it's very easy because me and my friend who I went and saw this with, it's very easy to like just nitpick this and pick it apart. But at the same time, like we don't know where this is going, so maybe it'll pay off sooner or later. But it's just hard, like where we're at right now, to be like, where is this going? Why does this matter? Stuff like that. So maybe mm. it'll have a payoff later. But for now, yeah, you're just sitting there like, what what are we doing? Yeah, what's, I do. But what's going on? I do have to ask you guys this. Tell me if you think this is cool, though. Like, get to the end of a movie, and um, Credence is a Dumbledore. Oh man, we're we're jumping way ahead. Okay, <laughs> I just want to tear it apart first, and then we can like, build it back, build up, <laughs> talk about All the right. cool parts, the parts we like. I. Okay, just based on reactions, which we'll get into what does this mean and what what what's going on there. But yeah, my this left a sour <laughs> taste in my mouth for the movie. Where I could have walked away and been like, "All right, that was pretty fun. Looking forward to the next one. All right, not a bit, yeah, you know, it's fun." Um, then this one, my jaw just hit the floor when that <laughs> happened, and not in a good way. I'm pretty sure uh, I said, what? What? <laughs> and I think that was pretty much the tone of the whole theater. Like, I don't think anyone walked away like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Like, everyone was just like, okay. I could hear uh, Seth from home. 25 miles away saying, what a twist. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, because that's usually in a, that's an excited what a twist. That was like a, wow, what a twisted what a twisted way of telling this story. This is just screwing things up. I, uh, not, but a, once again, not a fan like, of that. that. So it's a huge world. So not only is there's this huge human world that we live in where there's 7 billion people, there's also a secret magical world. But the person with the baby that happens to have their baby traded out with Credence, a some... Uh, some important uh, pure blood family is traded out with a Dumbledore related to one yeah. of the most powerful <laughs> wizards of all time. Wow, what are the chances, guys? Maybe it <laughs> because they were written. Traded a Dumbledore, cha-ching. I've heard oh, some speculation that, and this would be really stupid if this were the case, but it's still like a possibility, if that it was sort of a level of what would you say uh it's like trickery like it's not actually the case like grindelwald is like setting him up to think that he's a dumbledore but he's not actually it'd be a really sure. stupid it'd be bad writing if oh, that were the case yeah but yes <laughs> it's possible. so yeah there, there's a couple options here well this causes a problem because um dumbledore's relationship with his sister um ariana is mm-hmm. a big part of the seventh uh seventh book and movie uh 
where he feels so much guilt over her death and she was as we kind of they kind of retrofitted that she's an obscurus or she was an obscurus and that's why she suppressed her powers and so it caused her to lash out and um and that's what eventually led to her death but um and so so it gives that so that's a deep meaning and that's a big part of dumbledore and we find out uh or we kind of speculate that that's what he sees in the mirror of erised is him and his family reunited with ariana and um, so that's that his guilt over her is a big part of his character. Does he not feel guilty at all about his brother being an obscurus or does he just like, oh, yeah, and I had that long lost brother that I don't really care about. Like it just it makes no sense that they're like rewriting history kind of. And but it seems to have no consequences in the future. And so so it causes a lot of problems. But um, so a couple options, I think, is that one. So. We do find out later that he is a Dumbledore, but maybe he dies early or something like that. And so not that many people know that he's a Dumbledore, which is why, like, um, later on in the Harry Potter series, nobody, you know, you know seems to know that that's, that's a fact or anything. Um, could be that Grindelwald's lying, which kind of makes sense. It, it does sound like bad writing to end a movie on, like, that big dun-dun-dun and then, like, later on be like, uh, n- n- never mind. That's, that was a lie. Um, but it kind of makes sense because this movie establishes that Grindelwald, um, is very persuasive, that he kind of tells people what they want to hear in order to be able to use them. Um, he says in the first one that, you know, an Obscurious is useless without its host, and so he's clearly wanting to use Credence, uh, not just uh, align himself with Credence or partner with Credence, but to just straight up use him. Um, he sees himself, he sees him kind of as a weapon for him to just point, point this big destructive thing at. And so, uh, so he's kind of telling him what he wants to hear. And so by telling him, hey, your, bro- uh, your brother is a Dumbledore and he wants to kill you, then that's a good way. That might be his way of defeating Dumbledore without having to duel him because he can't. Mm-hmm. And so, so that can make sense in that that's his way of man- manipulating him. But I've also heard another theory, and this is kind of a weird one, all right? But um, so Grindelwald spends a, a good part of the movie uh, seducing uh queenie not seducing but um mm-hmm. kind of luring her into his side and like i said you know twisting the truth and making his way seem very persuasive and seem like the way to go and so he could be um he's he's wants queenie because she can not just not just like read minds but sense feelings and so at the end of the movie when she's on his side she says like careful because he's sensitive she could be talking not about credence but about the obscurus and saying, uh, and that's why Grindelwald wants her on his side, be, so that he can communicate with the Obscurus because he can't mm-hmm. talk to, talk to that force, and that the Obscurus is actually the same. Um, it's a parasite, and so whenever it killed Ariana Dumbledore, then it moved on to Credence, and so because it was created in Ariana, then that's what's a Dumbledore. If that makes sense. <laughs> that's a wild. <laughs> that's that's it's what some people stuff. have speculated. I'm just like that's. It, it wouldn't surprise me for Rowling to write something that wacky, but it's possible that um <laughs> yeah. that that's what he's talking to is saying right. like this. But it just went. But people say that, and I rewatched the movie, and he's straight up talking to Credence and saying yeah. your name is uh, what was it, Aurelius Dumbledore, and so he's clearly talking to him, not the. Yeah, the... I don't know. So. And he's saying this is your birth story. So, so that's a theory that people have, but I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, my I, my thinking is even though it is yeah kind of poor writing, 
um, that it is just Grindelwald buying and manipulating credence. But we'll see. Maybe he is a Dumbledore, and it's just the biggest twist of all time. And it was new. <laughs> it was a new kind of retcon that Dumbledores have uh, Phoenix show up to them, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, Dumbledore does have a phoenix as a pet, right. which are notorious Fox. for not uh, being tamed or being um, domesticated, mm-hmm. uh, but, which is why they have a really rare relationship. But, yeah, there was nothing about Dumbledore specifically being um, mm-hmm. having any kind of relationship with okay. phoenixes. Yeah. So. That felt like I, – I, I, I didn't even read the books, but I felt that. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, Jude Law just quickly like, like, oh, by the way, dude, I like I like phoenixes. <laughs> yes. yeah, like, and he just in one sentence says, oh, like, all God. this stuff. You're like, oh, that's that's new. And this movie, to me, felt long, too. So And it really wasn't. It was only about two hours. Yeah. But, like, I was like, man, we couldn't have, like – like cut out a bunch of these characters and maybe made the <laughs> made that not so obvious like mm-hmm. maybe spread it out a little bit not just sh- pin it out right there in that moment hmm. yeah it was it was very forced i think but so do you guys have any more thoughts about that um you know what uh i mean there there's still some negatives i guess i have but uh Fan service. One thing I liked, Nicholas Fumel. I was happy about him. Like yeah, he was, he was, yeah. he was awesome. It's funny. He was yeah. fun. He was interesting looking. I felt in uh-huh. that. Um, I, I, he's he's supposed to be. I think is, he's like six hundred years old. I want to say, I think he's like six hundred something when he dies uh, uh-huh. in the Sorcerer's Stone. So somewhere five hundred, six hundred, somewhere somewhere around there. Um, but he definitely looks like it. Which you think if someone has, I don't know, I I just always think like if you have the ability to be immortal, then like you forever look young. You don't just like continue aging, but you just don't die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just odd that, yeah, he looks like a, I, I thought it was a very funny scene that, and especially Jacob being the one who meets him. It's not like new news. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've right. heard of you. You know, oh, cool. You know, this is it's great to meet you. Uh, it's Jacob who's like, oh, yeah, you don't look a day over 375. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. so I thought that was great. And, yeah, he th- doesn't he think he's a ghost at first or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I just love that scene. Um, but, yeah, it was just interesting, an interesting choice to make him outrageously old. And uh, and I like when Jacob shakes his hand and cracks his bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he was uh, a great was little great. Uh, comedy, mm-hmm. re- comic relief uh, yeah. part. And we get a little glimpse of the Sorcerer's Stone as well. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at that part, honestly. I don't know if it was needed. I think that was just kind of for the people who were like, who's Nicholas Lamel? It's like, he's got the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> he made it. He made it. It was okay. like, it was like, could we have not like maybe leaved it a little out of focus? Yeah. Kind of spoon feeds the, <laughs> the people who don't know things. But that's, that's Or fine. just you put gotta, it like in the background, maybe. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a, 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 call it an Easter egg. I don't think that's an Easter egg. It, that's yeah, like putting an Easter egg, egg right on the picnic table, like just right there <laughs> like, what are, on a silver platter. That's for the three-year-old Easter egg. <laughs> with a spotlight you know? on it. <laughs> so if I were to pipe in for a little bit, I'm surprised hearing all the stuff about there being connections and stuff to the, like, I, I kind of remembered the name Nicholas Flamel, but I didn't exactly remember his role. Like, mm. I've been kind of out of the loop of Harry Potter for a while. I've read all the books and I've watched all the movies, but I yeah I haven't been actively engaged for a good while now. But um, one thing I really loved about the original movie, which I still love about the sequel, 
is uh, something that you guys were saying you didn't like. I actually like the fact that it feels so different from other movies that you can tell that it was written by a novelist because it just gives you a much different narrative experience than you typically have. I like um, a kind of pace that's more observatory and slow, you know, very immersive, lots of world building. Um, And another thing that's really unique about, and I wouldn't say this is something that isn't present in other movies, but uh, you can really tell the novelist and J.K. Rowling is flexing her creative muscles to create these interesting, you know, monsters and unique ways to utilize the magic in the world. So I felt like the movie, um, The Crimes of Grindelwald, um, there were, I feel like there wasn't a scene where some interesting use of magic was present. So th- honestly, like that... The visual effects, the monster designs, and the creative use of magic is what kept me entertained throughout the entire movie. Even though the plot was maybe not super interesting. Even though the pl- I do agree, and yeah. I can see that why that'd be enjoyable. Sorry if I cut you off. Sure. Um, but it's uh yeah, it is fun and I think it's maybe just for me because I'm used to to spending more time in the books and then I can follow this kind of uh fantasy fantasy world plot that's not really going in any specific direction uh but gets to a gets to a point at the end but has a bunch of just side quests kind of on the way um but yeah just because you have no idea where this is going or you know things like that and so that's maybe why it's just jarring for me Hmm. um but but it is fun and that's why i i think with the first one it took three watches for me to actually like okay i'm into this you know um, maybe it's just cause I'm slow. I don't know. Yeah. No, for but... me it's, uh, it's because like I said, it's a two hour movie and to me it felt like a three hour movie hmm. because it doesn't, yeah. it's not like, it doesn't feel like a, it's not a slow burn movie where it's, you know, it's taking its time with the story building up, but rather it's jolting over to the left. It's, it's like watching somebody play a, a narrative video game and going and doing all the side quests during while doing the main storyline and so i'm like oh oh no 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 we're back over here what were we talking about before hmm. yeah i don't know i guess and, uh, it's a lot like doing a podcast a conversational <laughs> podcast <laughs> for sure were you gonna say something kyle um i was just uh, sorry i forgot to mention it earlier but one of the a big problem i had with the first one was that um and it's just kind of the world we live in in 20, 2018 versus uh when the first harry potter movie came out and it, but it carried over to the rest of the movies i think in that they they were very intentional about building real sets and using practical effects, even if it didn't l- always look amazing, um, it it felt real, you know. And that's why, uh, like, I went to Harry Potter World last year, and like it, being in like Diagon Alley and being in Hogwarts or on the Hogwarts Express, like it feels like you are there, you know, because it's a real. It's like you're on mm. the set, basically. Like you're. It's not literally where they filmed it. But, like, they recreated it exactly, and you are just, you feel like you're in that world. Where from the first one, like, or from the first Fantastic Beast, like, you're not, you're basically just in 1920s New York most of the time. And then you, really the only magical place you get is the Ministry of Magic, which is 110% CGI that I don't think was done super well. And so I'm, I, I wasn't captivated by the world at all. You know, I wasn't uh, like, wow, this is I'm mesmerized by this. I'm captivated by this. I was just like, uh, wow, the, you know, Eddie Redmayne on a green screen. Cool. And uh, stuff flying around. That's that's great. But I don't want to go there, you know. 
Um, and so that was a big gripe I had with the first one too, is that it just didn't didn't captivate me as much as the as the Harry Potter movies did. But this one I felt was much better at like there was much more real sets, um, and I think the uh, the effects were much better in this one. I'm not sure what the what the difference was, maybe just three years of technology. I don't know, but um, but I just I I believed it more, you know. I didn't see through the see through the scenes as much, if that makes sense. Hmm. I just think the because you know you you see that the franchise is called Fantastic Beasts and naturally I think oh well naturally the focus of this franchise is going to be on the creatures of the wizarding world (laughs) and I think that's something that these movies have done really well I can't remember the first movie very clearly but you know looking at the sequel I think they do a really good job of packing it full of really interesting creatures uh, I forget the yeah. name of the new one, but like the one that pops up at the festival with a really feathery tail and stuff like that. That's Kitty a great, cat. Mm-hmm. That's a great design. Yeah. And then the way they interact it was... with it, with like the shaky little wand thing, like it's mm-hmm. it's very cute and cool. Honestly, I thought it was one of the most terrifying things I've seen on screen. Really, I loved time. it. I love that part. It looked really good, and I think it was based off like the actual like Chinese dragon, you mm-hmm. know, that you see like in drawings and you right. see them dress up as where it's the real monster. So it's like, that's what I love is that's what, you know, is part of the lore is what muggles think of magic. And then they're actually seeing magic and it's kind of hidden, but you know, it kind of gets out sometimes. Right. And so, so I, I, that's, I love that. Um, and I love how it turns from like, yeah, this big ferocious beast to it. It almost turns into like a little kitty cat. So the next one we go to Asia, what (laughs) next one we see the wizarding world of Asia. Yeah. (laughs) China. I, I hope so. That'd be cool. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, so we see that beast and we see the Kelpie in the beginning, which is mentioned in Harry Potter, but we never see, uh, or get any description of. And so that was cool to see him, you know, riding a water Mm. lettuce monster. But, um, but what other, what other beasts do we see in this movie? Um, well, I mean, that we we haven't already seen. Right. Um, we see the, the, we see the Niffler. Mm -hmm. Hold on. We see the Niffler because it, uh. I, I remember it thinking I'm glad it became came to good use with him tracking down Tina oh, because right? when he said when he said hey I'm going to Paris yes. I took the Niffler with me I was like why the hell would <laughs> yes. you take a Niffler with you that was the most annoying thing in the first one yeah I, not annoying we enjoyed it but like that caused you so much trouble in the first one <laughs> why would you just be like I'm gonna take him with me yeah, yeah I thought for uh, sure it was because uh, we have to keep the beasts the fantastic beasts in the title <laughs> yeah and we have to have a, have a fun couple funny scenes where he has to stop the Niffler from stealing stuff right. so I was like this is stupid come on but mm. I'm glad that that he actually yeah. uh, came in useful yeah. in some way and uh, I guess it was cool but I was like is there not a trick that you can do that without gold <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know <laughs> I will say that because um the creative magic and the beasts and the world and the interesting visual designs are all kind of what makes it for me i think i kind of don't understand why jk rowling doesn't hone in on that as like the strength the potential strength of this franchise franchise instead of kind of going down another rabbit hole of some dark lord and his evil plans you know it's like this is territory we've treaded before why not go into this interesting new direction of you know, this curious fellow exploring the wizarding world, you know, uncharted territories, finding new beasts, you know, mm-hmm. like that sounds like a much more appealing franchise to me. And, and you get, you know, s- sprinkles of it. And uh, there's definitely more of that focus in the first movie from my memory. But 
I don't know. I you know I see the potential there, and it kind of has that Pokemon type appeal to it, where it's like you're mm-hmm. really excited to see the next the new creature and whether or not they'll become friends and how he'll end up using it to get out of situations and stuff like that. Yeah, like that's mm-hmm. a you know everlasting appealing scenario, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I but overall, you know, looking at the plot and everything, I uh, I had heard the negativity about it being meandering and complicated and confusing so going into it with that low expectation i came out pretty pleased because i actually was able to follow it and understood what was going on for the most part um yeah i didn't really have any problem with the the narrative so i don't really understand and i don't find the list of characters to be overwhelming either because i've watched shows like game of thrones where there's like literally 500 characters and that's like you can't get worse than that yeah but you have seasons so, upon seasons to get to right get yeah. introduced to those characters and right and books to delve into if you're still lost hmm. yeah but i, th- I thought the but, this the movie did a decent job of like i think it has like maybe five side characters and all of them mm-hmm. i think are given enough screen time to be like yeah. relevant i don't think i was degree. too overwhelmed by the number of characters it might take a while for me to, you know, recall all of their names and everything, right, right. but um, that's that's fine. Um, Everett, I do think that, you know, you you mentioned that you didn't want a Dumbledore story because you kind of like the mystery of it. And I'll, I'll admit, whenever this first came out, I was like, who cares about seeing a Newt Scamander movie? I don't want to see this. You know, I want to see give if we're in this time period, give me Albus and Dumble uh, <laughs> Albus Dumbledore and Grindelwald's, uh, you know, give me their backstory. But I kind of seeing it now, like it's kind of like the Star Wars problem where Darth Vader Mm, was one of the most interesting villains of all time. And it's really mostly because of the mystery. Yeah. You're like, who is underneath that helmet? What's his backstory? What where did he come from? Why is he so evil? And then years later, you get prequels that say. You wanted more Darth Vader. Here's him as a little kid. <laughs> Here's some midichlorians. <laughs> Here's him as a bratty teenager. And you're just like, oh, I don't want this. Right. I, I, I kind of like the mystery. I don't need all the answers. And it's kinda, yes. it is kind of like that, where now that I've got it, I'm kind of just like, uh, okay, I would actually prefer just a side story of a guy who chased Beast down and uses magic, and it has, totally. you know, you get little little hints every now and then of yeah he, it exists in the same world as harry potter but mm-hmm. really it affects nothing but instead we're getting the star wars prequels i feel like yes it was so this and is that's the problem this is why i praised last jedi so much why i loved the destruction mm, of it breaks away from um uh, mm-hmm. yeah snoke is a nobody uh, Ray is a nobody because your dumbass fan theories mean nothing and will never be good enough to be in a script. I'm sorry, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I loved about it. Uh, I that's th- the exact opposite happens in that movie. He's a Dumbledore, like yeah, it been exactly. Credence yeah, could have been Ray nobody. Is uh, is Rhea a Kenobi? Is Rhea Skywalker? Mm-hmm. No, she's a nobody, and that's that makes it more interesting. Where it's who is Credence? Is he a Lestrange? Nope, he's a Dumbledore. Even better, you know. Right. So that's why I'm hoping that it's alive. And you know why, Kyle? Uh, you know why? Because why? apparently movie viewers are too stupid. According, this is what the writers and producers think. We're too stupid to handle a normal person in a movie. A we need person, them to be sp- spectacular to and fantastical. Right. Yep. We're too dumb. Yeah. It definitely, the twist, 
because I, you know, I'd heard there was some big twist and what happened was totally not a, what I was anticipating. For some reason, I thought they were going to do that exact same thing where they were like, you know, Voldemort, you know, Tom Riddle, he's pretty cool. Let's explore him. Like maybe like we'll learn some weird stuff about Tom Riddle here. And I was like, I don't really want that, but I kind of see it coming. So I was actually surprised that they didn't do that. And instead, you know, did the whole Dumbledore, Dumbledore thing. Which oh, you just I'm sure me. it'll I... come because uh, Voldemort, I looked it up, he was born in 1926, which is the same year that Fantastic Beasts takes place. Mm. And so I'm sure by the fifth movie, we'll get teenage Tom Riddle in some fashion. There's going to be five of these? Various. What? There's going to be five of these? Yes. Interesting. That's, that's at least um, Which this one has bombed, by the way, apparently. It has? Yeah. I was thinking it's, it, it was like right a $200 now. million dollar budget, and it's at like $76 million as of Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. 81 right now. 81 so yeah, not not raking in the dough, but yeah. it's doing okay. I want them all to be made. I think it's again like I enjoyed my time in the theater because I really liked just being in that world. Yeah. Well, let me tell you uh, one big negative I have of this, which I was just reminded. I, I I didn't write down notes, and so I'm remembering all my negatives as we go along. But here's my probably my number one. I there are no stakes here, guys. No. There are no stakes because I already know the ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. I already know he's not going to win. Yeah. It's so connected to the lore of Harry Potter that there's yeah, there's no mystery behind it, I don't think. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. n- Dumbledore's not going to be destroyed by Credence. I'm sorry, spoiler alert for anybody who didn't see <laughs> who didn't see the first Harry yeah. Potter movie. Yeah, Newt might die, but who cares? Right. Oh, yeah. I'd hate that. I, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Yeah, like I said, uh, the re or what I was thinking, uh, the reason me and you are were different going into this, where you wanted a Dumbledore and I wanted a Newt, is because I liked the first uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Initially, mm-hmm. um, where you just didn't, um, specifically because of him. Mm. Uh, so, so bringing up, I had said that I had forgotten that certain characters existed going into this movie. The prime example of that is um, Queenie. Queenie, mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten who she was. So when she shows up out <laughs> of the blue, having enchanted, uh, what's his name again? Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, I was like, what's going Something. on here? They have a relationship. I remember him because he was amazing. So basically, the issue I have is that you have Newt, who I personally really like. I think he's likable, and I like his, you know, the look of his character. I like Jacob as a foil. I like I like comedic relief. Um, mm-hmm. but Tina's boring and Queenie is annoying. And then she ends up doing this whole like turn to the dark side thing, which is totally unconvincing and feels rushed. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could kind of do without these kind of, they, they don't have the chemistry that like, uh, Ron and Hermione do, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. and I have this question for you guys. Do you think Jacob was supposed to be in this movie during the writing of the first one? <laughs> yeah, the way he's kind of no. in it, he's like, "Oh yeah, I do remember some stuff." Yeah, he's like, like "Hey, hey, he's like, really hey I thought Jacob. you can we can we get Jacob back in?" Like, yeah, that's really exactly what I feel like because I'm like, they're like, <laughs> uh, "Hey," he, Newt says, "I thought you were oblivious," and he's like, "Well, didn't work." <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Queenie, tell me it. everything. <laughs> I mean, they cover their tracks a little bit, you know, because it does. It makes sense. I didn't have any like, negative uh, it, memories. You see right through it. It's a big, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> right? It was so... Yeah. I mean, okay, it's not... Wait, your mom's Martha too? It's not that bad. <laughs> but <laughs> still... M- Martha? No way! <laughs> still, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but I mean, oh, if gosh. he hadn't been in it, that would have been really, really disappointing. Cause it would have been a big letdown. He was a highlight. He was a highlight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... 
Yeah, but big, big problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, another big. Uh, we'll move on. I'll get to some some positives. Okay, if oh. we can find some. But uh, but big like the pro- part where I just rolled my eyes all the way around my head. Okay, was so we get to the uh, cemetery. I think a mm-hmm. graveyard area, and we have the part where um, gentleman was his name comma. Oh God. Um, <laughs> column. Co- hold on. I'll look it up. I don't know. It's something like that. You know, the Lita's brother, African American, or not African American, mm, yeah. African French, I guess you would say, <laughs> gentleman. Um, he uh, he goes into a. Let me tell you the story of the background of Mr. Lestrange, <laughs> and yes. he had an affair, <laughs> and he took this lady to be his own, and then, like so, I'm just like, oh, this is just the worst exposition yeah, ever. Yeah, it was pretty like, bad. This is awful, but. And then it ends, and I literally, I'm not, I, I'm not even kidding. I literally had the thought of, well, you can't exactly, like, open a book and show a family tree of the Lord Strangers, so I guess if you're going to do it, a little flashback is the best way to do it. Maybe people will still be a little confused. And then she literally pulls out a freaking tree! A literal family tree! I, I almost walked out. I was furious at that point. I was like, this is the worst! And not only that, it's back-to-back of, like, two horrible pieces of exposition. Just like, hey, here's some exposition for you. Nope, never mind. Let me counter that with some even worse exposition. It's just... Oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> that brought it down like two full stars for me right there. Yeah. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was. I I'm bad. not even joking. I literally had that thought in the theater, and then she pulls out a tree. <sighs> that's 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 uh, if I can say fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So now I have that off my chest. Any any other big gripes complaints just, from you guys? This is, it's so enlightening, like here being a part of these conversations, because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm just so patient and like so forgiving when I go to these movies. Because like I'm not thinking, oh man, they're wasting my time. Like, can I just see the next cool visual effect? Like, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys. I'll tell take you a why. Break. I'll tell why you why, that? and I because I need to brag. Uh, here real quick. Um, Kyle, how many movies have you watched this year? Uh, you want to know? Yes. Let's see. So this is not including rewatches, which I've rewatched a couple movies. These are all movies I have seen for the first time ever, being 2018 movies and past movies that I've just never gotten around to seeing before. Um, I'm actually, actually at 300 right now. 300 movies. Uh, last year I had watched more movies than I ever had in my life, uh, yearly anyway. I saw 201 movies. That includes one uh, double watch, which was Thor Ragnarok. That's uh, rewatches, uh, 2017 releases and, uh, movies from the past I'd never seen 201, uh, this year, including, uh, double watches, which there's quite a few of rewatches and, um, 2018 releases. I have watched 202 movies. Whoa. So I've already beat I didn't know you're that high. Nice. I wasn't trying to beat it. I was, this, that's <laughs> me taking the year off of watching movies as <laughs> Last year was a goal to just watch as many as possible. This is just being, uh, I've grown to be uh, even more of a film lover than I ever was. So that's just uh, natural. And so watching that many movies, including several like 
masterpieces and classics mm-hmm. uh yeah. watching a movie like too, this trying to watch uh, good ones from the past yeah mm-hmm. once you watch that mm-hmm. many good movies it makes the bad ones so much worse interesting um uh especially yeah. when you're watching them heavily like together in one year then <laughs> oh, you just yeah. don't want to waste your time on bad ones but that that's that, that that's the reason why you yeah i understand that yeah i mean when i go into a movie not to make us sound it, pretentious like we're we're yeah. so much higher <laughs> level it's really movie i have noticed that yeah. like probably really good movies i've seen recently i'm like yeah it's pretty good just because like i've i'm i'm trying to get through this year and then yeah i'm gonna take a little bit of a break i'll still watch movies a lot but mm-hmm. yeah it is it does get to be more of a chore to like really watch oh, yeah. a movie and pay mm-hmm. attention to it and d- make a decisive opinion on it and so uh so yeah like even probably I could see the greatest movie in the world and be like, yeah, four stars. Right. And speaking of uh, classics, I wanted to interject real quick because I forgot <laughs> this in my in the in our intro discussion. Um, you know, all three of us can relate in the fact that we didn't grow up watching a lot of movies because we all had three siblings to mm. share a TV with. And, and sheltered mm-hmm. families. <laughs> and yeah, sheltered uh, conservative backgrounds. Sure. Um, so we're all getting to go through all the classics now. Uh, mm-hmm. I finally got around to, in preparation to see the new Creed movie, um, watched Rocky. Oh, uh, you've never seen that before. Never seen it before, uh, and I found it quite boring. <laughs> I, do not, I do not like any of the Rocky movies, but I love Creed. I, I need to watch it. I can't wait to see it. It looks it's really good. Really I, lo- good. I, liked, I loved Black Panther. Um, it was, yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah. To it's interesting for it. me, if I were to comment a little bit more on like how I consume movies which it seems like a rabbit hole not worth taking but it does tie into fantastic beasts you know because ultimately what describes my experience is the fact that i really enjoyed more like when i was watching i was thinking wow good art team wow really good like visual effects team i wasn't so much praising jk rowling although like i imagine a lot of her creativity is what helped inspire that kind of stuff but for me it was a lot of like i just love thinking about like the studio and like the artists like building these worlds like um, and that's just a visual design and stuff like that. Something I've been getting more and more interested into, which is really weird because I'm a writer. Technically I study English and all that stuff. Yet it mm-hmm. seems like so often when I play video games or watch movies, like I'm rarely ever holding up the writing to a certain pedigree. I'm always paying more attention to like the visual effects or the music. Mm-hmm. So when I watch movies, uh, usually the ones I really enjoy are ones that, uh, reel me in visually or build a certain atmosphere. And I do think that Fantastic Beast does do a really good job of that. Maybe not as yeah. good of, as the Harry Potter movies initially, because they have well, a few of them have John Williams, or um, you know, a certain pace to them, a certain like heartwarming tone. But I don't know. And I I think Fantastic Beast does a good job. I I completely agree. I I like that was pretty much the only part of this movie I really loved. I mean, I still like Newt, but uh, I would have liked to just focus on Newt possibly because mm-hmm. the rest, yeah, I just didn't mm-hmm. care care too much about. I like Lita, her story, besides yeah. that terrible exposition part. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked her a lot, and uh, I'm, I'm. It's unfortunate that it seems like she's dead. So um, that's a bummer. The social commentary I felt <laughs> was a little heavy-handed at moments. A bit, yeah. But I actually liked uh, Grindelwald as a villain. Like, because he wasn't, I mean, we actually got to see the way a villain earns his following and he does yeah, it let's so, talk about Grindelwald. he does it so, he's, he's such a good manipulator. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like even with the social commentary intertwining with uh, uh, just all the 
it's, it's very obviously American social commentary that she's talking about, but mm-hmm. also like the way he's giving his speech was so eerie to me. And like, mm-hmm. it felt real. It, honestly, when he's talking about, uh, I don't hate the, uh, the nomadges or all that. Mm. We, I just think we we're different. Like we were separate and mm-hmm. like that, that I swear is verbatim a David Duke speech. Oh, for sure. Like, I believe uh, he, he says something very similar in black Klansman. That's yeah. almost identical that to we, that. We need to not, not like, be ashamed I don't of our hate heritage black people, or like but that. we should be separate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And I, I actually, I, I think he, I think she's kind of, even though he already existed, created a really good villain because mm-hmm. Voldemort in Harry Potter, he was all about power, about join me and you will have power. Um, mm-hmm. He was motivated for his own power about I'm the most powerful wizard and I want to have a power over, I want to have power over everything and you should become, join my side so that you will be powerful. Uh, whereas Grindelwald, he is kind of uh, go- taking a different approach, even though he does want the same thing mm-hmm. of being dominant over the over the non-magical people, um, being out, being the ruler, everything like that, starting a revolution, all that. But going a different, a much different approach of yeah, of uh, we're a, we're a peaceful group. We're uh, we're gonna we're going to take action, but we're not we're not evil. Um, Except for the fact that he totally murdered that toddler. Yeah, you know, um, that's, 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 you know, that's not important. Business. That happened behind a closed door. So, you know, who knows? Um, no, he kidding. didn't do it. His, but, his uh, little lady but did. yeah, I, I really did think that was interesting. And I actually could have used a little bit more of that speech of him getting like passionate about that and getting people riled up of like, no, okay, we need to protect ourselves of, uh, cause these, these, you know, humans are going to tear the world apart. They're going to, and then they're going to point their weapons at us and showing right. the world stuff that's going to happen. No. Uh, through his uh, magic skull hookah of, uh, of you know showing the future when the which is funny when the wizard cop kills the girl uh yeah and then he goes over and he's <laughs> like cop. what have you done <laughs> what have they done and he's like he's like playing mm-hmm. as their messiah it is so yeah. creepy to me but I, it, yeah, is. it is so well done uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, I I've gotten pretty like sick of Johnny Depp. Like he just he he comes across oh, as so sure. pretentious to me, and like mm-hmm. the way he and I feel like all of his roles are so far too similar. Um, yeah, which but, here, uh, here's funny th- funny thing. I, I I'm not a fan of Johnny Depp, especially in more recent years. Um, I kind of like some older stuff, but oh yeah. Um, but I was actually just about Great. an hour or two ago looking on IMDb at kind of trivia stuff, and it makes a lot of sense now. Um, co- it says costume designer Colleen Atwood has been dressing Johnny Depp for all kinds of characters for over 30 years, Damn. which is why Grindelwald looks like he's Jack Sparrow. <laughs> he's literally like Jack Sparrow just dressed up a little bit, you yeah. know, like leather pants and little ascot, you know, going on. Honestly? If I can say something about him, uh, I fucking hate his haircut. But mm-hmm. if if he had stayed the way he looked at the beginning, I would have loved it way more because he was t- he was so creepy looking when he's <laughs> oh in the with jail the long cell. hair yeah yeah I don't know I like his hair because it, there was this shot where it was just a silhouette <laughs> and I was thinking about like character design like you know you have a really good character design when you can see the silhouette and it automatically like know what it is. It's just a like, little you know, too uh, modern hipster sure. to me with the side cut. It but is, I feel like yeah. if I saw a silhouette of Grindelwald, I would be able to guess yeah. who it is. Like maybe not 10 years no, from now. No, you wouldn't we'll be able see, to see but... his mustache. 
Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, it was like a pretty effective character design. He's got the unique eye. He's got the, the bleached What's haircut. up with the effed up eye? Okay. Because we we see in Harry Potter, we see Grindelwald not only as a teenager, briefly, but also as an old man, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Neither one does he have a weird white eye. And this movie and the one before gives no explanation like someone curse your eye your magic you can fix that probably yeah um, i think there's a lot like of what's... stuff like that where you're just supposed to not ask about it like why does yeah, queenie's boss it's just all like, of it a makes sudden him look more evil for him? to have a birth defect because he like wasn't scar from lion king oh, i don't know he didn't hear me <laughs> what'd you say uh why i was uh adding on to that stuff like why does queenie's boss all of a sudden work for him yeah i, I didn't get that at all like uh, apparently we just didn't need that information between the two movies yeah, I don't even remember his name, honestly. But uh, I only do because yeah, it's that was weird. Movie. But I really did, and that that prison escape scene though in the very beginning, I thought that was awesome. I was yeah, that I was, was great on that one. It was very, great. very well designed, fantastic, it was fun, scary. Hey, what what did you think of uh, him with the uh, with the wand? <laughs> you want me to say what I said the other day? <laughs> Wait, did you did you come up with the joke or did you find it on Twitter? No, I I literally just was thinking about that. <laughs> damn it, Kyle, you're so goddamn funny. I wish you would have saved it for the podcast. <laughs> okay, let's let's pretend okay. you never let's so pretend you never so, shared it. So hold on, because we're talking about um. So there was a bunch of controversy over the Elder Wand because in the first one, uh, Tina disarms uh, Grindelwald, and if you know anything mm. about wand lore, that would then make her the master of his wand. Which, if he is in possession of the Elder Wand at the beginning of the next one, it means he's had it for a while, just wasn't using it because he was in disguise. But that would make Tina the the possessor of the Elder Wand. But uh, there's kind of some controversy there. My friend says that uh, you can only be the master of one wand. Um, and so if Tina was already the master of her wand, then she couldn't become the master of two. But, I don't know, that kind of makes me question, like, how does anyone become the master of the Elder Wand? Right. Do they not have to have a wand? That doesn't make sense. So I don't know. Anyway, so in thinking about that, I was wondering how does Grindelwald hide the Elder Wand? And then I thought of Deadpool 2, which a character says that he hides it in his prison wallet, which is code <laughs> for your anus. So, which if you think about the Elder Wand does kind of look like anal beads. Um, so it probably probably felt all right going, you know, Grindelwald hiding the wand up his butt. So <laughs> what's the what's the what's the spell for making a space bigger? <laughs> <laughs> anus and largest i don't know <laughs> i haven't seen deadpool yet so i literally thought you meant a prison uh, wall at- oh yeah no a kid no, keeps no, no. An it's a code for yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm sorry you didn't get that joke the other day <laughs> anyway so we'll that watch was it. A, a thought i had we'll watch it but uh anyway but yeah never never really Speaking quite, of quite which... explains all that um that switcheroo that they pull in prison or maybe i didn't <laughs> understand it i don't know <laughs> right speaking of which kyle i'm super are you excited for uh once upon a deadpool deadpool yeah i i wasn't at first i was kind of just expecting it to be a uh you know deadpool on fx um where all the cuss words are censored out and mm. it's only only 60 minutes long because all the good stuff See- cut out I didn't but, hear uh, about it un- until they announced that Fred Savage was going to be involved. Mm-hmm. I heard about it a long time ago, and then it, it resurfaced oh, okay. when they started yeah, putting out trailers and stuff for it. And so I, haven't I seen think it'll have a lot yet. of new content, which looks pretty good. I've just seen the poster with him and mm-hmm. Fred Savage in the Princess in, uh, Princess Bride garb. Uh, yeah like on a unicorn i think i'm not sure because you never know with deadpool because they tend to have marketing that's not in the movies which i love which is great because it gets you excited for the movie and it's also like bonus content 
Uh, but so, so I'm not sure if I can say go watch the trailer or, you know, advertisement for it. Uh, cause I'm not sure if it'll be in the, in the new version. Yeah. I'll, I'll, so, I'll watch it know. after for sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, back to this. Uh, so we've talked about Grindelwald. We, I, I, I liked him a lot. You know, you can kind of make jokes about Johnny Depp and, and his look and kind of the motivations and how it's mm-hmm. kind of shoehorned into the universe. But ultimately I think he's a good villain and he's kind of one of the parts, even though Everett, like you said, I do agree that I, I'd be okay if this whole uh, plot of um, do you, giving me a prequel of this was not in the movies and it was just its own story. Uh, that'd be fine. But if we're going to do it, like I, I'm actually looking forward to it, you know, seeing more of, uh, of Johnny Depp playing this character, even though I'm not super hot on Johnny Depp, this might win me back a little bit. Um, and uh, Jude Law as Dumbledore. What do you guys think? I guess I, I I like Jude Law. Uh, I just uh, he's just playing Jude Law in here though. Mm-hmm. Like I would have kind of liked. Well, you know, I don't know, Kyle. Why'd you why'd you why'd you put me on on the spot? <laughs> Did I ask you a question? <laughs> I mean, he he was fine. He was charming, but I didn't know if there was anything really about him that screamed Dumbledore. He just was kind of a charming professor type character. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, here's yeah. I just I feel like I would have preferred them to hire an actor who plays Michael Gambon but younger. If that makes sense. Okay. In in what way do you mean? Like he was? I don't do you know. Feel well, like he was contradictory know, to Michael Gambon in any way. Just, I mean, he just doesn't like he doesn't have the same mannerisms or voice. Yeah, because Michael Gambon kind of goes for a Scottish accent, and that was on purpose apparently to kind of. Mm-hmm. Make it not to where he was doing a Richard Harris impersonation, but to kind of make it like, even though he's playing the same character, like I don't want right. people comparing me to him because he's a great actor. And that's the so only reason. Thing. That's the but only yeah. reason I can't really complain because there's already been two Dumbledores. Sure. Granted, I, I saw on um, I read on uh, an episode of Robot Chicken. They have Dumbledores played by a by an African American character. <laughs> And they they like what what's going on? He's like I'm played by a different actor in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny, but uh, anyway, I I liked him a lot. Um, it's I compare him more to like the books Dumbledore, which I really do think that like neither of the movie ones like got it exactly right. Which of course you you can't uh, because Dumbledore is supposed to be whimsical and silly and kind of like mm. a mystery and having like, like the, a twinkle in his eye, like um, the Potter puppets. Like Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah, and uh, like the first day of school, he says, all right, I have a few words. Nitwit, bumblebee, and like or something like that. He just says like a bunch of random words and is like, that's all. All right, by the way, school rules, and then moves on. And they, they cut that out of the movie. But like where you're just like, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but but then also, which Richard Harris, I feel like, gave that kind of like a little bit of skin, skinny Santa Claus feeling of he's just a jolly nice guy. Right. But uh, Michael Gammon gave kind of the, you know, he can swirl flames around his head and defeat Voldemort kind of way um, and uh, and be the most powerful wizard and you believe it. Where I don't really see Richard Harris, you know, doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That. But <laughs> um, but I, I thought Jude Law was great. Um, I think he he kind of portrays that uh, that, you know, mischievous uh, fun, but also a very caring and nice person. Um I don't understand why he has to recruit Newt. 
he's like, you're the only one that can do this. I need you to do, like, yeah. like eh, I don't know. I feel like you have other friends that are <laughs> yes, more loyal, you know, not more loyal to you, but you know, more apt to just doing what you say than, uh, than nude is who, you know, may not be the guy for the job, but whatever. <laughs> Seems doing an um, okay job. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. It just seemed like Dumbledore's like, you're my last hope, Newt. And it's like, really? <laughs> am I? Am I? You know, I don't know, but, nope. um, but I, I did like one, one part in particular where it, it kind of does make sense why he picked Newton and he says something along the lines of, uh, that's why I like you Newt because you don't seek after power. You only ask what's right. And that is a, like a big precursor to, um, Dumbledore's character in why he likes Harry because you know that Dumbledore, kind uh, knew that he was susceptible to being being seduced by power and that mm. he that's why he refuses to be like the minister of magic because he knows if i'm in a position of power like i know i'll i'll get drunk off of it or i know i'll i enjoy it a little too much and so that's why i don't want it um mm-hmm. and that's why he likes harry is because harry like was never motivated by being a leader or being in power or having authority or anything like that he just kind of ended up being in a position of power and and handled it well and um cared about people more than he did about himself and right. so so that's a good kind of parallel to um a to Frodo. It, it being true to albus dumbledore and that that character trait is still the same in him that he admires people who who aren't power hungry in that way and and gives them responsibility you know so so i like that element of it but but i did like that you didn't see too much of him as well you'll probably get a ton of dumbledore and it'll be 90 percent a dumbledore movie later on but um but i kind of like that we don't get too much of him in this one kyle have you been alone all day yeah <laughs> um, am i talking a lot <laughs> no i'm just exploding with thoughts because i've had no one to talk to about this stuff <laughs> that's very good <laughs> oh, no it's cool it's cool um but you got more thoughts in that little head of yours <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's see. I don't want to rush y'all to favorite scenes. So if, if, okay. if, if you got more. Minerva McGonagall. We see her in a flashback. Right. Right. Um, so that we Two can flashbacks. guess this was probably around like the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. This is Minerva McGonagall. She wasn't born until 1936. Oh no! And she didn't start teaching at Hogwarts until 1956. Probably oh, a good 50 years this after is by this the happens. Books. Yes. Which means that in the movie world, it would have been like later, since the movie world takes place later than the books. Yeah, it's never really confirmed 100 percent if the if the movies took place Whoa. like as they were coming out, or you if can they, tell cause... by the technology and clothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a undisclosed uh, period of time, but yeah, you could have guess at the earliest it's the '90s, maybe the uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. in the movies. So, um, so yeah, that would make it even worse actually if right. uh, if you're just going off the movies and not the books. So, um, possibly that's like Minerva McGonagall's aunt, who <laughs> also had the same first name and also taught at Hogwarts and was also a stern Scottish lady bit of a stretch yeah for sure. but uh but i don't know we'll, we'll see but yeah or that was just a uh a bit of a slip i don't know mm. but other than that i don't know i probably have tons of more thoughts but i feel like i've gotten the bulk off my chest oh, and okay. uh done <laughs> my done my fair share of complaining <laughs> but um 
But I do think there was a lot of things I liked about this movie that I've already said, and, and I do think I agree, Trent, that I thought visually this one was much more pleasing than the first one to me, that the effects were much more believable, and it was more it was fun, um, and it felt more real. And so so I, I think those are the big strengths of the movie. But mm. this one, I, I, I try to like imagine, am I a, if I'm a Rotten Tomatoes critic, it, this one teeters on fresher, fresher rotten for me, mm. you know, where I'm just... I can't exactly say which way I'd go because I don't want to say it's rotten because there are redeemable things about it hmm. but it's hard to say this is fresh I will know? say um, we didn't talk at all about like the Ministry of Magic's role in this whole thing because they kind of play oh, a big yeah. part like his brother and that guy they hire in Newt's place to kind of hunt down yeah uh, what was up with that guy Credence. and he seems to be working for Grindelwald and kills the He's he's one of the guys that makes the movie suck to me. Like where yeah, it was kind of like, like a ooh guy just, curling his must twirling his mustache in yeah, the corner. I just didn't. And, I, but I, he doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah, we could honestly. I feel like the movie could have flowed fine without that character, like just a tiny rewrite, and we would have been fine. And or we could have saved the Grindelwald stuff for later, and he could have just been our main villain of the movie. Interesting. You know, kind either, of like, either way would have worked, yeah, but having him kind of as a not important villain in the background mm-hmm. that doesn't really do anything was kind of yeah. Cut the, either cut that out or well something. I don't Kyle, know. Uh, before we get to the uh, favorite scenes, uh, you just now uh, kind of set me up for my final question for you guys. Uh, what are the crimes of Grindelwald? <clears throat> yeah, because <laughs> breaking out of prison. Other than escaping from prison, does he do anything illegal in this movie? Well, murdering people, I guess. I mean, he tells people to murder. Did he kill anyone? His uh, henchman lady did. He killed that little kid. And he didn't. She. He didn't even say anything. He just like mm. he gives a look and then he leaves the room. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess I think he kills a. Yeah, he kills a couple people at the end with the blue fire. With the blue fire, but really, he didn't like command the fire or anything. <clears throat> it was just it yeah, was, it because it's going Fenrir crazy. fire. It just kind of goes nuts. On mm-hmm. its own. Maybe the crimes of Grindelwald are the things that got him into prison. So, like, the Ministry of Magic is concerned with Grindelwald and his crimes, and he needs to be taken down. You know? Yeah, that, that basically was, I think they say the word, his, he needs to answer to his crimes, like, within the first minute of the movie. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of a, not misleading title, but just kind of a, hey, let's slap this title on the movie and then make a movie. You know, like, it, and it doesn't really matter if they're if this accurately describes the movie, you know, right. When you say the crimes of Grindelwald, you either think like, okay, we're either gonna have a courtroom scene of here's all the crap that Grindelwald's done. And here's why he's bad and blah, blah, blah. And then he escapes from the courtroom scene or something like that. Right. Or a flashback to all that stuff or him doing really bad stuff. That's even worse than apparently what he's the crimes he did in Europe before he, you know, went to America. I don't know. It just seems, yeah, misleading. No, yeah. Well, even in even if uh, what he was in prison for in the first <laughs> one, what did he do besides just like be a dick to Credence? Yeah, he didn't destroy the seed city. The True. the yeah, obscurist did. did. He's just wanted. So, oh, I just got reminded about the totally forgettable like final encounter of the movie when he turns into a giant fire dragon. Remember that? Wait, what? Remember, there's like the big like arbitrary battle at the end of the movie where they had to like kind of enclose the fire beast. Yeah, and uh, Nicholas Smell shows up and is like, "Stick oh, your wands in yeah. the ground." Oh yeah, yeah. 
That was like, oh, why is this happening? That seemed kind of pointless. It was just the boss battle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because that's, I think, what I said in my Letterboxd review is that it's, uh, so we spend a while catching up with the characters, and then the characters kind of wander around for a while, and then there's a big fire battle at the end. (laughs) That's that's basically it. Like, there's not really uh, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. It's just characters kind of do stuff, and then, oh, fire! Hmm. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's about it. Sets up the next movie to get you excited for the next one in two years. But uh, other than that, not. And that's that's kind of my problem with this one is that I'm sure in the by the time we get to the fifth one in 2030 or whatever, then um, I'll I'll look back at this and I we can have a marathon maybe if I feel like revisiting this. And uh, and this one will be important to the overall story, but it's it just is unfortunate because I think the Harry Potter books and movies do a good job of they tell one big story leading up to a a big final end but each one is a good story you know each one is you know harry potter in the chamber of secrets or harry potter in the prison of azkaban even though they don't do a whole lot to uh to serve the greater story then they Mm -hmm. they tell their own beginning middle end and everything resolves at the end and all that stuff it's not just like a all right, wait for the next book. All right, you know, the next movie comes out soon. You know, it's not it's not a bridge where this movie is definitely like a buffer to what people are going to want to see, you know? For sure. Yeah. And that's that's just my problem with it, I think, is that it's a uh, it's it's just part of a franchise. It's not its own story. Right. You know? No, yeah, it feels like complete setup. Mhm. So, that being said, Kyle, would you happen to have a favorite scene in this movie? Come back to me. Come back to me. Give that me being second. said, I Trent, to think about this. would you happen to have a favorite scene for this movie? Uh, I'm really struggling. Okay, come you on. You loved it so much. <laughs> you can't think of one scene. You've been trying and trying to defend this movie. I don't know. That's why I was hoping Aubrey would be on was because oh, I was yeah, hoping she, she seemed would. To like oh yeah, it. Trent's sister yeah. who is a yeah. listener. Yeah, she listens. But uh never been on. Um she saw it three times. Yeah. Mostly just cuz you know, you she's know, a college student. She likes going to the movies a lot. But it does it that definitely seems like she liked it. Uh but yeah, regarding my favorite scene. Oh my gosh. I was hoping she could convince me to like it. Yeah, I tried my best to like kind of. I explained. I tried (laughs) to explain like you're a failure. Instead of like trying to like (laughs) counter your arguments, I tried to explain like parts of the movie that were I think totally good. Like you can't really argue against the fact. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. And that's why this movie is it's mixed for me. Where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things I really hate, but there's also some good. Where my friend who I saw it with, he said like I dropped him off at his house after we saw it, and he said. I kind of regret watching that movie, and I, I immediately was like, "Whoa, I don't, I don't think that." Like, I'm glad I saw it. I just have a lot of problems with it. So yeah. Um. So if I were thinking yeah. scenes, anyway. because like the narrative wasn't exactly the reason why I was enjoying the movie, it was more like the visual effects. So like in my mind, uh, images, um, linger. So if I were to pick, maybe I don't know, two visual images and then one like dialogue, um, scene. It would, the one first visual image that appears in my mind is like the the drapes the 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 drapes of darkness and the gray sky whenever Grindelwald is is calling upon his followers to gather at the rally. I thought that was a really striking visual image. You I know thought that I'm was weird. About? Like why? Yeah, well, what does he not have that? an easier way to call his? It his doesn't. Followers? I I didn't understand it either, but I thought it looked cool, so I was okay with it. 
Um, hold on. So sure. hold on. Back up, because I was confused by that too. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna <laughs> that... So not only are we just destroying the movie that Trent really enjoyed, we're gonna take on his favorite scene too. Your favorite scene? <laughs> Let me wreck it. All right. No. Um, what was the drapes like? So the Muggles couldn't see what was happening. Yeah, I wasn't really sure. I yeah. I was. Con- I was like, this looks cool, but I'm confused. What's going on? All right. Second okay, visual. Second visual kind of picture in my mind is that awesome Chinese creature that I talked about with the feathery tail and all that. That was a striking just any time it appeared, but mainly it's its first appearance. Um, but then an actual kind of like dialogue scene. I thought it was pretty well done. Newt kind of like thinking over how he's going to talk to Tina after not seeing her for so long. Then like thinking her eyes are like salamanders. Oh yes, that was uh, hilarious. And then, like, oh, when he finally he has a foot fetish in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, like she has slender feet. Mm. <laughs> yes, but whenever he finally talks to her, you know, in that that library, I thought it was pretty adorable. Even though I don't really mm-hmm. care about Tina, like, I don't think they really have that much chemistry. Like, I, I, I don't know. Newt is just adorable. So. That's the thing I have separate of 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 you guys. Like, I I actually like Tina a lot. Really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Against the Kyle was talking about, he doesn't care about Catherine Watterson. Maybe it's just because I have a huge crush on her. But mm. I, she does I, have a nice I, I face, like cheekbones, mm. nice eyes. It's very fair. <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene a lot too. The uh, where he takes the polyjuice potion to be his brother, but then that's very quickly a <laughs> scene right through, which is. It's oh, always funny because yeah. that's that kind of one of the flaws in the polyjuice potion is that you're still you, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. So, uh, so I thought that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, still walking and talking like himself. Right. Um, and it's quickly seen by the person he's impersonating. Which, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we've seen happen before, but yeah, that's a likely scenario. Is that your favorite scene? Anyway, no. Um, so I like the uh, the prison break scene a lot. I just thought visually that was really really cool, totally. a great strong way to start up a movie, but. I think my favorite scene was uh, Grindelwald's speech at the uh, is a Coliseum graveyard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, very uh, convincing. It kind of uh, not not that I want to join Grindelwald's side or anything, but that uh, it kind of it was almost almost like Thanos level in the MCU of where you're kind of like this guy isn't just like a destroy all humans villain, but he's kind of like a I I kind of see his point where you're like okay, I know this is wrong, but he's really convincing right now. And I can see how everyone in the room is being swayed, you know? And so, and I like the uh, connecting it to real world events as well, as far as being right between the two world wars. And uh, I think that's that's kind of one of the big strengths and the what makes the the Harry Potter world so great is how it's not just, you know, oh, this exists, it's a fantasy story that exists in Middle Earth or, you know, a, a fantasy world or a fantasy universe, but it's it's right here in our world. It's just on the other side of it or it's underneath it, you know, and so I thought that was really cool how they connect. How would the wizarding world react to uh, the world wars? Um, I thought that was really strong and really, really interesting to see what their thoughts on it would be. So, uh, so yeah, I like that a lot. Everett, what's your favorite scene? Um, honestly, my favorite stuff in the movie was the comedy, I think, because I've, mm-hmm. I can't really c- recall a lot of it, but I just remember laughing out loud in the movie quite a few times. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to go see it again tomorrow, but, oh. uh, so then I'll be reminded, but I'm going to go ahead and say the, where Jacob meets Nicholas Flamel. 
Oh yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I like the way like he runs. It's like the slowest run I've ever seen. (laughs) That was my favorite physical comedy. I think. And it's good because that's that is a character like even if you read the books, even with watch the movies, like you get very very little information about Nicholas Hamel, even though the first book and movie is named after him and what he did basically. And so like you mm-hmm. get like two lines basically of his name was Nicholas Hamel. He lives a really long time. He invented the Sorcerer's Stone. He was an alchemist. That's basically it. And so so it was cool to like see a character that um you know it wasn't like a oh we've heard so much about this guy. You know, and there's all these Easter eggs. It's just like, a, oh, there he is. This makes sense. That's really cool. So that was fun. But um, so we have the Newt's relationship with Lita, which is unfortunately possibly ending. Uh, the possible relationship of Newt and Tina, which some people are shipping. And so uh, so that's that might happen. But I'm really hoping that uh, Newt and his lab assistant work out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the exactly. one that kept telling <laughs> that to go oh. oh yeah, I forgot about that girl. She oh, like God. wanted to take his shirt off. <laughs> Thanks, I don't Kyle. think he even learned her name. Um, <laughs> I'm not not sure, but yeah, she's she's there, and uh, you don't really know why, and you don't yeah. know where she came from or anything yeah. like that. I thought that was but a charming. I, I kind of hope things work out for her. Yeah, it was a charming little like scene. I liked all, right. all of that a lot. I'm gonna stop recording. Kyle, what are you, Kyle, what are you gonna do for the rest so, of the night? The rest of my night. Well, I was gonna go see Creed two, but it starts in 15 minutes. Mm, I wonder sorry. if I have enough time to get. Th- I probably do because yeah, they always play like ten trailers. Yeah, we can right. let you go. Yeah, I'm gonna head that way. Everett, I'll send you the recording later. Okay, sure. All right, sounds good. All right, well, I had fun, guys. Yeah, you totally too. talking. Sorry, I did ninety percent of the talking. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> I couldn't. Have. Yeah, feel free to edit out any of my rants. I was the mat today. Yeah. We need something to fill out the runtime. <laughs> This has been a Second Mob podcast. For more audio content or information on this podcast, please visit secondmob.com. Bada bing, bada boom. Woo!